Welcome, everybody. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I watched a movie this week. We are covering Harriet. Harriet. Uh, it was a 2019 film about Harriet Tubman. The first feature film ever about Harriet Tubman it was released onto HBO on July 18th, just this past weekend. Uh, first off, I didn't... I didn't really know all that much about Harriet Tubman. I've heard the right, folklore, yeah. and I feel like there's kind of a general, uh, you know, public awareness of, you know, this is the A to B to C story of Harriet Tubman, and it kind of like falls into this almost fairy tale like kind right. of area. <laughs> like I saw most people, you think of Harriet Tubman, and you picture the one picture that they have of her, which is an old woman in a shawl, formally <laughs> like, sitting down, like somber at the end of her life. Yeah. <laughs> And people are like, oh, well, that's the sugar-coated This old version. lady did all that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Her? You know? Uh, or like you said, it's like, oh, is she even a real person? Or is it sort of this Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett, Johnny Appleseed, America? Right, which is the most, fr- I think, the f- most frightening of the, the outlooks on her. Because <laughs> like a very real documented person. <laughs> yeah. So I looked into and wanted to discuss who she is, how she came to be that way in our consciousness, what the movie is trying to do. And interestingly, how it fits into literarily in the same way that like this is the first feature film to feature her. There isn't hardly any literary works featuring her either. So where did our perception of this come from? Yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated to know. I mean, I feel like this is a a story I remember being taught in elementary school, probably third or fourth grade. I just don't remember anything anything along the lines of what's depicted into this film and so mm-hmm. i you know watching the film i go there's so much detail to this that i'm just i'm just, where in the world has this been hiding or where did it come from um just off the bat before we get too deep into it the director is a uh, casey lemons she's a, a director and an actor uh, as a director most notably known uh, for eve's bayou got her massive uh, critical acclaim in the 90s She's also been an actor. She was an actress in the original Silence of the Lambs and Candyman. And uh, it was co-written with Gregory Allen Howard. He's the writer of uh, Remember the Titans. It came out last year uh, in November. It w- did garner two Academy Award nominations, both uh, involving Cynthia Ervo. She uh, is the main character, Harriet Tubman. She was nominated for Best Actress for Harriet Tubman and Best Original Song for the song Stand Up for Harriet. So it did garner some pretty big acclaim but somehow it it just kind of flew under the radar a bit and i think that was one reason we wanted you know in the middle of the social moment that we're having right now going back and trying to understand some of these figures and why these stories are haven't been told or been told in particular ways and this has been in the news this week so i had here we are that the only other works that I could find that were about Harriet Tubman in the film world is A Woman Called Moses, which was a 1978 miniseries on NBC. And then recently there was a 2016 TV series called Underground about the Underground Railroad. And yeah. that's the thing I think I grab. Yeah. I, I, number one, there's been no, there's hardly anything on it. But I think the thing, as far as like the way this was told to me or taught to me, the Underground Railroad. And as especially being taught that as a third grader, like that is not a clear <laughs> topic. <laughs> like, it's not a clear like depiction of like what there's no locomotive. Right. <laughs> you know, like and as a third grader, I'm like, that's really hard to get across or like understand that the you know people how they travel, stuff like you know, like so I think the that's concepts kind of, behind it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So 
part of the thing that I found most fascinating about really getting in to see this for real, because the the, the idea of the Underground Railroad is this, this mythic idea of right. a you know a, a watch by night thing that just happened, and it's really hard to conceptualize. Uh, so I've, I'm, I was really excited to see that committed to film. Yeah, speaking to kind of the abstractness of thematics that they were going for with the movie that then get realized. And I had seen Casey Lemons, who is the director, a big part of it that she wanted to get across was more that it was a story about freedom. And that's what's exhilarating and kind of focusing it as a action hero story. Right, right. Versus Uh, the other slavery based stories filmically that have been going around recently. She was not as interested in presenting that. Right. It seemed to be much more about the spinning of breaking free, that kind of kinetic energy, the actual journey outward, not about where you started. It was very much about what was in front of you, you know, not underplaying the brutality of what was going on at all, but the focus is where she was going. Right. And if, if those are the criticisms that you see lobbed against it, they knew that. And that was intentional to the message mm. of the movie. Because she was saying it, it, it was about a love of family. It's about family separation, that yes, particular yes. small universal element of this. And I think that's one of the myths, which I'll bring up as we go on. But a big part of this was for her family. So she, Harriet Tubman was one of 10 kids. Most of the people she went back for were her families, her nieces and nephews, her parents she brought back. So it was like, that was her right primary drive before this big, grand, lofty, universal goal. It was just, I got to get my family out of there. It's so interesting how these things start when you start, when you, you know, these people then end up doing something so big, it starts, you know, so, so small in a, in a, in a way. It was really impressive to see how her motivations evolved because it, it starts with, I'm going to die right now if I don't move. It evolves to, I've got to go back and get the rest of them. And I've, then it evolves to, I've got to teach them how to make it like I made it, just the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much a big snowball. The, the yeah. momentum, I think the film does a, a, an incredible job of actually depicting that momentum inside her. I also thought just Cynthia, who plays Harriet Tubman, she was saying that she had worked hard to capture her physicality. And she was saying, like, trying to look at the pictures that they do have, discuss her eyes, how she would Mm. hold her body, where her tension was, figuring out her voice, because she was like, I know that I'm not Harriet Tubman. She doesn't sound like me. How do I get those elements? And And I found in looking at like we had talked about our perceptions of Harriet Tubman, there was a new photo that was found of Harriet Tubman in 2017. Mm. And she is around age 45. But Casey Lemons had seen this photo and it put the whole thing in a different light because it helped really connect her to the story of her heroics. And if you can see our podcast episode cover art for this episode, I've used that picture. And I believe it's also used at the very, very end of the film. It is the final image of the film before it goes to credits. It's pretty pretty staggering. I'd never seen it before. And it, and it immediately takes you one step beyond any image you've seen, you think you've seen of her, takes you to a new place. This is an authentic image of her. And, and oddly enough, it connects you right back into the character you've been watching for the last two hours. It really does a good job of intimately making that bridge and being like, okay, what you just watched... Here she is. Here she is in a way you've never seen her before, actually. It was really mm-hmm. amazing. So that ties us into the book and this author, Kate Clifford Larson, who 
was used as the historical consultant. The book that I read is just mm. called Bound for the Promised Land. Came out in 2003. Briefly, her story and then why we don't have a lot of material about this stuff, let alone pictures or anything. This gal, Kate Clifford Larson, was working at a bank in the 90s. She had her MBA in business. She was like, I don't want to do business. She <laughs> went back to get her master's in women's history. And at this time, her daughter, which is interesting that you bring up elementary school because her daughter was in the second grade, came home mm -hmm. with a children's biography of Harriet Tubman. And Kate Larson is like, well, I'm doing this degree in women's history. I should probably look into Harriet <laughs> Tubman. She tried to look for an adult biography of Harriet Tubman. And yeah. the last one written was in the 1940s. What? Yeah. So in, she was like, in well, the I've 1990s, gotta... the most recent adult <laughs> literary option was mm -hmm. published in the 1940s. Yeah. That... Just if, if for our audience that might be following along, we keep seeing this idea of, of, uh, of a specific, even back, you know, bringing Hamilton into the mix of who's going to tell, tell your story why stories are told, how they cross hands. And I think that's particularly important. And I, I hope that, uh, that more of these things start to percolate to the surface. Uh, mm -hmm. we, can, we can make these things, we can get these things seen. We can drag them out into the light. So this gal, Kate Larson, ends up being the one who's like, well, I'm going to do my dissertation on Harriet Tubman. I'm going to go back to these primary sources. I'm going to try and find out as much as I can from what's available about this. The main primary source that we have for before this 1940s piece is a biography that was written about Harriet Tubman in 1869 by Sarah Hopkins Bradford, who was sort of an acquaintance friend of okay. Harriet Tubman's. And it was believed to be embellished heavily in an effort to sell. So it's not really reputed by historians. Hmm. So Kate Larson, I mean, you really have to go back into the research of documents and what it's also hard because as we'll see Harriet Tubman's work was to not be figured out who she was right Otherwise, I she mean, couldn't do her thing if you are a uh spy <laughs> if you're a union or a spy, fugitive from if you're a fugitive yeah. yeah it might not be the best idea for you to be just like widely known exactly what your identity is and where you preside yeah, and or the even even if she was being the voice of something, because also she could not her entire life read or write. So anything that she did have, other people would have had to have put down. Right. We see in Hamilton's stuff, it was so much related to the correspondence and letters, but right. she didn't even have the ability or the to do that first need yeah. or want or or it would have been detrimental if there were a bunch of letters that had her name on them and where she was and what she was doing. So it doesn't really help that her, the only official biography of her is filled with a bunch of nonsense as far as what she actually did, what the numbers were, where she was, any of that stuff to make it more interesting to people. Interesting. Uh, I looked into, based on the book and whatnot, some of the inconsistencies are things we think we do and don't know because, like we said, <laughs> since there's no real sources, <laughs> the only way anybody's ever heard about Harriet Tubman is through children's books. In the world. Which is a crazy thing to say, but it's true. Like anything you've ever heard about Harriet Tubman has not come from film, as we know, and has not no. come from biographies. No, there's no major, there's no, you know, best-selling New York Times, you know, go pick up and go to the library and just, oh, okay, here it is all documented. And, like, and it just doesn't exist, which seems bizarre because we definitely, I got taught this in third and fourth grade. I guess I assume that most anything I'm taught at that age, you know, I can probably go look up somewhere else. Well, Harriet Tubman's an odd case. There's just 
very, very little uh, mm-hmm. real information. So I'm really interested uh, what, what this author did going past that. How did how did she get past the one, uh, the major biography being, you know, uncredible to a degree? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the benefit of the 1940s one was that man was still alive. A lot of the people that could substantiate because Harriet Tubman died in 1913. Yeah. So there were still people around that he could talk to. Wasn't as popular of a book, but it, it comes down to a lot he of had secondary sources. A lot of secondary sources. The the gal who wrote the 1869 biography would not publish anything if there were not sources corroborating what Harriet Tubman had said, which was an interesting case because it's like Harriet Tubman was probably like you had the source there, but she wasn't willing to put in information that couldn't have been substantiated by other people. What in the world? So it's like, honestly, if we had just gotten somebody who was willing to listen and write down what Harriet Tubman had said, it would have probably been more factual or at least more true to what was happening in her life. Weird. Yeah. So let's talk about going through her life and then dispelling some of the myths and whatnot and what the movie has put in that is or isn't based mm-hmm. on on real stuff. Born, we don't know when, between 1820 and 25. Mm-hmm. Araminta Ross was her name. She changed her name. She was born in Dorchester County, Maryland, defied orders as a youth, so was moved from domestic work, which most of the women were doing, to punishing labor in the fields. Ooh. And the irony of that is that her familiarity with the land proved helpful down the line. She was involved in everything that the men were doing, the logging efforts, maritime efforts down at the docks. She saw it all. So she had Man, yeah. a strong familiarity. She would have been completely useless if she had just deep been underst- relegated to yeah, domestic Deep understanding work. of the of the operations. Uh, mm-hmm. What would be going on when outside? It's also interesting that she got to see, because like I said, she was illiterate her whole life. She got to see the functions of, because she worked with a lot of freed black people who worked on, on boats and in other parts of society, which is harder for us to conceptualize. But like she was married to a free black man. Right. And so it was a bit more confusing and, and intermingling into how society worked in that way it wasn't just like you're over the film here you're tries over there. to the film tries to depict that and tries to do it pretty upfront that's part of the initial conflict is that her free husband has tried to has hired a lawyer i believe and mm-hmm. has tried to negotiate her freedom based on a, a previous agreement with the whole family it was supposed to be freed by by a certain point and he's gone back on that deal and so now her husband has hired a lawyer to right. lawfully force her release yeah. Um, so they try to depict that right off the bat. Then later on, when she actually makes it to freedom and then starts to go back south, it does a good job of trying to depict what that looks like running into other freed slaves and, and the, kind of the trying to, to comment on the black mindset and the varied black mindsets in the country at that mm-hmm. time, because not everybody was slaves. And how do you operate and how do you yeah. feel? Yeah, so all of that, that stuff. Your people are enslaved, mm-hmm. uh, and what are your avenues and routes and opportunities laid out to you? It, it does a good job of trying to display a bunch of different points of views for Black people at this time who mm-hmm. are and aren't slaves. I thought that was particularly interesting. I've not yeah. seen hardly. I've seen so little about free Black Americans at this time and what their hardships and emotions were what their choices were their options were at this yeah. time because you can either help or hurt or I try to be neutral um and I, that's just a 
place I'd never really thought about or considered. And this film does a good job of bringing that up. Yeah. So all that stuff with her husband being a free man and hiring a lawyer, all of that is pretty much true to what actually happened. Mm. And like I said, in terms of her being a youth and being involved and seeing all of the exterior workings and, and seeing she gained a better literacy for communication without needing to read or write because yeah. she could she could understand a subtle hand gesture or a movement or a song lyric or something that well would, interesting would, you said yeah. that because i had heard an interview with cynthia saying that uh they had found record of her using her voice her singing voice as code uh using particular pieces of hymns and lyrics of songs as mm -hmm. as phrase as code of i'm going i'm leaving it's too early not yet all those types of, of right. code work that you could you hear here on the wind i suppose yeah, um, yeah. So really she, really fascinating i never considered that before and it's also interesting just in as far as the casting goes because cynthia uh, uh, is obviously a grammy uh, winning singer um, mm -hmm. so that, that goes into the character here i thought it was really interesting yeah all of that stems from her growing up and being defiant and being forced to do the harder work outside yeah. allows her the ability to pick up on all those things that then she yeah. later uses to help other people. So a situation that happens when she's 13 years old is she was hit by a weight and I guess hit her on the head. Oh, and gosh. it wasn't even aimed at her, but it missed this other person and hit her. So that's where perhaps a medical issue of her having narcolepsy or epilepsy or some oh, facet of, of that medical condition comes That's from the issue in her childhood. Interesting, yeah. The, the, so in the film, there are flashes periodically where she has these kinds of uh, emotional, intense, almost, um, you know, just these visions mm -hmm. that, of past trauma uh, and even future trauma at that point. At that point and so that's interesting i don't i don't think they had i i hate the, to say maybe i missed something but i don't think they directly say that these visions are because of you know past physical abuse and injury directly but yeah uh, uh these, well, now these we visions know, come I up mean, as like an emotional mm -hmm. uh you know ptsd it comes up periodically through the film this is an just an emotional like exercise that she goes through that are really affecting um but i didn't know that it that it that that was really bait yeah. you know i would write that in anything but you know like just to get you know emotionally somewhere <laughs> you know right. like, oh they're 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 having an epiphany well uh, i know that know, also but, like, but Kate, that's based yeah. in truth that's yeah. really interesting and also i know casey and cynthia are fairly religious and so they were drawing from and obviously harriet tubman was drawing from oh, yes. that spiritual religious energy but uh leslie odom jr who plays another character who we'll get to said you know even if you don't believe or buy into that and you want to go the other way you could just also consider it part of her instincts part mm -hmm. of her mm -hmm. physical ability to yeah. nuance and pick up on things if you weren't into the visions element of it but yeah now we know that there potentially is some medical reason behind it as well or what people were like oh she's having these visions no she's having seizures Gosh. you know that that could also be a part of it which is also amazing the fact that she had that her whole life yeah yeah whoever Good like you Lord. know oh you know the story of harry Tubman. did you know that she had narcolepsy and epilepsy she's like um she's like bulletproof dude yeah <laughs> she looks like i don't know i i i love finding out so much beautiful detail on some on some of these people you thought you knew you know, mm -hmm. some of these characters in history that you just, you know, oh, yeah, I got, yeah, 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 Harriet Tubman. 
hold on. Yeah. You know, this is really down into the nitty gritty. This is what the, the, you know, the film is good for is really humanizing a historical figure and letting you a window into what were their wants and and loves and feelings, Mm -hmm. really humanizing them on a personal level. Off of that, her human elements, what she was striving for, the big defining moment in her childhood after this incident was the sale of three of her sisters who went to the Mm. deep south like i said they were in maryland and they were never heard from again there's no historical record of where they went to any of that stuff which really really hit her the situation with the lawyer happens and by march of 1849 there are rumors saying that they are going to sell her and her siblings so she prays and this is i believe in the movie but one week later her master brodus dies leaving her family at the mercy of his widow. So she realizes, oh, this whole area is in debt. We've got this crazy widow lady. Who knows what she's going to do with us? So that's where she plans on fleeing. Her Two of her brothers are on board. They turn back because they also have Mm. family. They're worried about what's going to happen. They think, oh, it's, it's much better to potentially get sold to somebody in this area. Maybe she won't sell us so far south. Like it's just not worth the risk to them. So she goes on her on her own, which is traveling a hundred miles by herself up to Philadelphia. Yeah. Which I looked up because that's also part of the story. Like you hear about this. And if you're in elementary school, time and distance means nothing to you. Right. But if you just walked in a straight line a hundred miles, it would take you 33 hours. Good God. To walk. And she doesn't know the area. She doesn't know the people there. She's also, and this comes back to that picture that they found in 2017. She's 27 years old when she decides to do this. God. So now she meets up with this guy, William Still, who is, as we mentioned, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character. He is real. Plays Aaron Burr in Hamilton from just a couple weeks ago. He, uh, the real character, used meticulous records to write accounts of the Underground Railroad system, which it is a book called The Underground Railroad Records. Mm. It was published in 1872, still available. It has 649 stories of escaped slaves and their various methods, and it's probably the biggest resource that anybody ever had. Oh, that's awesome. I have never heard of that before. It's wild, though, because Harriet Tubman has like a page in it. It's not much at all. Oh, really? And it also makes you realize, oh, this is a much bigger thing that, you know, it's like the, the elementary school story of she saved. She freed the all the slaves. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, that's, yeah. This is a giant, which giant isn't okay. I, I, you know, it, it's not the, it's not the reason, but it's kind of the reason, but isn't that what Kanye said? We didn't even, that we didn't even bother looking at it. Part of why we did this is because Kanye said something about, Harriet Tubman. So we were like, wait, there's a movie. And it had just been released on on HBO. So we were like, well, let's do Harriet. I'm pretty sure that's what he's like angry about. Just like, she didn't free all the slaves. Like, oh God. I don't know. I didn't even look into it. <laughs> I yeah, didn't even bother. These are the, these are the <laughs> myths. Uh, you know, some of the other ones were that all the, the amount of trips that she took, she did still take 13 total trips up and back and went as far as- Terrifying. Camp- that's horrifying. I can't yeah. imagine going back once. Like that's, yeah. that's, yeah. I think mean, going back once sounds like a death sentence and she went back 13 times mm-hmm. and then went as far North as Canada since the fugitive slave act of 1850 gave bounty hunters the power to bring oh, no. slaves back. Even if they had made it over the Mason over Dixon the line. line. Oh my God. Yeah. It was exaggerated because of this original biography that she had 
you know, done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over dozens and dozens of missions. She never used that number. It was estimated around 70 people in that decade and another 70 she had guided and helped indirectly through her mm-hmm. abilities and efforts. So still a ton of people. And like I said, in terms of the thematics of this. This is all before, this is all pre-Civil War. And then right. her work expands actually into the Civil War. And she ends up becoming way more responsible for a lot more freed slaves. Yeah. But as far as the Underground Railroad work goes, it's confirmed 70, a questionable, another, you know, 70. Another 70. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Interesting. Exactly. Okay. And then. That's before, that is pre-Civil War, then there's a whole other metric here after (laughs) Civil War. Yeah. Or during Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Just quickly into the Underground Railroad stuff, some of the misconceptions there, because that's even more mythology to it, where it's like, it was all just terminology. It was all code used. There's no actual Underground Railroad. Interestingly, also, actual Underground Railroads, like subways, trains that they'd build tunnels for, did not exist until 1863. So there wasn't even a precedent for people to think that that would be a thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Yeah. that didn't exist at all. Yeah, the first London tube station was in 1863. So that wasn't even a real thing. I thought just tying into film and the Underground Railroad and literature, there was a book that came out in 2016 called Mm. The Underground Railroad, written by this guy, Colson Whitehead. It's an alternate history where there's a literal underground train. Very, very cool. Won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction the next year. Got bought for the film world. Amazon is making it as a limited series. Really? And- Filming was taking place in February, obviously coronavirus Ah. stuff, but it it actually got to the filming stage. So it's like it will be coming out. Written and directed by Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight. Whoa. Okay. I'm interested. I'm interested. So lots of connections there. But if you you were confused by what actually the Underground Railroad was, there is something that's being made that is taking it as if it was. Help you figure that out. (laughs) A literal thing. (laughs) Yeah. Help you go realize uh, realize that the thing you've been like imagining in your head is ridiculous when you see it up on the TV screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll go see if this is a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on, like you said, to the Civil War stuff. Since this was what she was doing, she did carry a gun. That's what the movie brings to bear. Like she's not the wild. Daddy old it woman. was in yeah. okay. It is insane to see out of nowhere Harriet Tubman just whip out a pistol or hold it to someone's head and like she's gonna do it <laughs> like that's that that's where and it's like not just one time Mm-mm. that that happens it's not like the climax of the film or anything it's like something like that happens like maybe like four or five times she is nothing short of i mean a badass I didn't want to say it. <laughs> she is. Uh, that, that That's where the, the it, it, dr- dramatically, that's where it gets you to more than a couple times. So now she has gone through all of that. The Underground Railroad is at an end because we are entering the Civil War, where this is what it is built to. Now right. the nation is at war. She first worked as a nurse in the Civil War. She went down to South Carolina. She mm. was not paid for this. And was a entrepreneur, which is interesting when people talk about putting her on the $20 bill. Right. Like she she supported herself this whole time also while she's working with the Underground Railroad. She has bought property in New York. Like she is doing 
you know, Good Lord, fine yeah. as a person. But in, in the Civil War, she ran eating houses. She did baking. She did laundry to support herself since she was not compensated. She taught other people who it's like, hey, if we're going to get out of this, you've got to figure out how to do your thing too. So she mm-hmm. was able to sustain herself by being an entrepreneur during the Civil War. Maybe she had, I mean, I if you gain your freedom, maybe you're going to exercise that freedom in just about every imaginable way. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe that should be a lesson to some of us. I mean, maybe we don't, maybe we don't live as freely as maybe is, is available to us. I mean, mm-hmm. I've never, you know, I don't know, but I could save more is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do more. I could do more. I, yeah. I have more freedoms that are, are allowed to me than I'm taking advantage of, you know? Yeah. So part of her Civil War stuff, like I said, she started off as a nurse. Then they realized, oh, she can do a really good job at being a Union spy. Doesn't know the area of South Carolina, but knows how to move through an area. Right. So she was sailing along waterways, taking notes of enemy positions and movements, communicating the information back to the leaders. One of the big things that she did was in the Kambahi River Raid, which took place in 1863. So a lot of people don't know this as one of her monikers, but she is the first woman in U.S. history to lead a military expedition. And this is depicted fully in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the last third of the film, but this is this is fully realized. And it's pretty staggering to see the steamboats out on the on the waterfront behind her as they're pulling off this raid. Uh, yeah. It's something I would have loved to have seen in a history class. That's one thing I was watching this going being like, man, I wish I wish something like this existed for more <laughs> historical topics that at least just like are fully yeah. realized, yeah. really placing you in the time and period. Seeing, I mean, on, on, alone, seeing the steamboats fully realized was pretty amazing. Just yeah. a visual. Just it a gives visual. you some context. Yeah. Exactly. A Civil War visual I've never seen uh, done to that, to that scale, that quality mm-hmm. before. It was yeah. really, it was really cool to see. So she's also now still being a nurse and being a spy and leading out scouts to map various regions. The goal of this particular Kambahi River raid was to destroy Confederate supply lines. They had put mines in this river. So Whoa. their goal was to disable, They call, she called them torpedoes in her biography, but they're mines mm-hmm. and cripple the plantations that are along the shore of this river by either oh, setting wow. fire to their granaries and doing just yeah. general mayhem to stop all of this. Another part of it, which then was realized in doing this, is rescuing the more than 700 enslaved people that are also on these lands. So when the gunboats approached, slaves came pouring onto the shore where rowboats are now waiting to bring them up to the ships. This is the scene in the film. And that's what she's involved in. And the movie, you know, she was not the commanding officer general of it, but she was of the, at the helm entire of this, operation, right. but yes, she was at the forefront of it. <laughs> right, and she was she was in charge of helping the enslaved people get their way onto get the boats there, yeah. and onto, you know, and she was yeah, She was really on the front line, yeah. She might disabled. not have been the person in charge, but she was actually there on the front line making this happen, leading, leading the charge. For yeah, yeah, because she was responsible for what had been scouted ahead and stopping the torpedo mines that had been in in front of everything. She was the one who did all of that. You know, again, on those kind of those dramatic windows that that artists have to make those decisions. Everything up until this point is kind of, you know, getting setting the record straight of like, okay, this is what the Underground Railroad was. This was her um, also separate from this, what she did here, uh, actually in the Civil War 
freeing over 700 slaves, saying this happened. Uh, she <laughs> led a military operation that's, that freed hundreds and hundreds of slaves yeah. all at once. Uh, the first woman, woman period, to lead a military operation. I think the film goes out of its way to say, oh, rewrite the history, straighten out the history for you on, on the Underground Railroad, but then say, also, you probably didn't even know this happened mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and, and all and, the other stuff it, that's that she where it gets, did. Yeah. How, well, that's you don't where just, it gets yeah. to the point where it's where it feels almost unbelievable. Like she is a superhero. You're like, no, you know, it, it, moment for moment, there's nothing unbelievable. It feels very authentic. It's very dramatic, um, but it feels very real. But when you get to this the last third of the film and it is this big and you've come this far, uh, it is so it becomes larger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, and, and like you even hesitated to say to grandize as this scene of her coming off with these steamboats with these, to- you know, these rowboats to save these hundreds of slaves. I mean, but how, what else does that look like? And <laughs> right. I, I'm thinking, well, how did they, you know, because I had the same feeling of like, yeah, they aggrandized it. They made it feel bigger than it was. But when I go back and look at the images that they shot, I'm like, well, these are just the pieces that you that were there that would have yeah. been, you know, like I'm like, it, it feels aggrandized, but I, I can't I can't tell you in what in what fashion, in what way. Uh, it, I think that is just a testament to how massive the accomplishment really is i mean right. it seems unbelievable that it happened period mm-hmm. uh but it did yeah I, speaking to more like you said it's like oh well we don't even think what we're told that she did let alone the stuff that we don't know right she stayed in the south for another year in the civil war assisting Whoa. she went on to work with and we mentioned this in our the five bloods episode mm-hmm. about African-Americans in U.S. military history. So the Massachusetts 54th, which was the Frederick Douglass effort, which was featured in the film Glory. She was there. She was a nurse. (laughs) What? No way. Yeah. And and that's amazing. So she was involved in everything. And uh, she's involved in everything. There's more done than seems possible for one person. Mm-hmm. Her accomplishments are so are unmatched. I mean, on on paper, just unmatched. I mean, good luck. I mean, yeah. Uh, is this why she ends up falling into this odd mythic Johnny Appleseed right. lullaby fairy tale area? I don't understand. I, I'm so thankful for something like this movie actually coming along and saying, hey, well, hold on. Uh, <laughs> very real. Uh, <laughs> Very real, uh, and we ought to be uh, telling this story as an Amer- as, as a purely American. This is an American story, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good lord, yeah. So beyond the Civil War, then, and I don't know if the movie can only really put this into text before the credits, you know. But she mm-hmm. still now has an entire half of a life left. Right. She worked before as- we before we get that one photo that we all know. Of her yeah. At the yeah. End of- <laughs> She worked as a suffragist. 1869 was when the National Women's Suffrage Association was created by Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. The goal was to amend the Constitution. So Harriet Tubman, obviously strong supporter, toured, gave speeches, explained what she had done for women and what she had done for the country and supported that movement. Big part of her life at some point in the 1890s, she had neurosurgery done on her brain because it was just getting so bad and she couldn't sleep and they were doing 
a type of neurosurgery? Well, so here's what happened. In the late 1800s? <laughs> Not really. What? She, the they world? they <laughs> just cut open her head. She refused the <gasps> anesthesia and chewed a bullet like the amputee soldiers that she had seen in the Civil War. She is a badass. She was oh like, they God. cut my head, she moved something around, and now it feels better. And uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. With no medicine. Oh, I love it. Like, she is yeah. a superhero, dude. Then in uh, 1908, five years before her death, she purchases land and donates it to this church that she was a member of and wanted them mm. to operate this home for the elderly, which mm. then she was an elderly person being cared for in that home and died in March of 1913 at the age of around 90. Remember, we don't even wow. know when she was born, so we don't even know how old she was and was buried with military honors in New York for her efforts. Rounding out all this stuff that we learned, I thought it was interesting tying into the lack of information as it's somewhat of a mystery. And in the book, the author couldn't even really put much to it, but as to her leadership, because she's not a public figure, but bits and pieces of if you were a part of the abolitionist in crowd, are a testament right. to her genius. Like one of the things everybody mentioned or enough people mentioned for it to be like, well, this has to be a facet of her, her dry sense of humor, her candor, oh, really? like her ability as an orator. And it's like, yeah, that, that makes <laughs> sense. She had to have been able to relate with people right? because that was her whole life. That's the biggest thing that was crazy to me and mentioned it several times, but it still goes without saying that it's like she was illiterate. She could not read or write anything down. Yeah. That is crazy that like all yeah. the stuff she did, she never read or wrote anything. And they were God. saying like she had an amazing memory. She had like the ability to recite anything, like all the names and places. And like also if she couldn't read words, like she could read a landscape, she could read the night sky, she could read people. Like she yeah. she had so yeah. much. Oh, she she couldn't read words, man, <laughs> but she she read you she read the world it sounds like mm -hmm. i mean she's illiterate when it comes to i mean actually you know words and those things but i mean proficient when it comes to people yeah and that's and, why it's sort of there there's unveiling a little bit of the mystery of like why isn't there much about her and it's like because she somebody else has to do it she wasn't the one yeah to put it onto the page or put it onto the screen like she was just living she was the backbone of it all right it is not just one person and then she put out a book and then it's <laughs> right. just a bestseller. It is so much more than that. It is who do you come into contact during your journey and who are you impacting? Um, she impacted uncounted, uncounted people. But I, I think that you can't, you would be doing a disservice to say, I mean, she's, she is a black woman in the 1800s going into the 1900s. I think it's a miracle that her story survived. Uh, I think it's a miracle that that what we do know, we do know. Yeah, and we've we've. I, I think this is a call. The moment that we're living through is to to do better about this. To you know to realize our real history, uh, other parts of our real history, creating a more full a fuller picture of our history. And doing better moving forward, understanding what you know, what we're really made of. Well, th thank you so much, Taylor. Um, there's so much, so much that I, I think I took 
I think I took for granted about all of this. I wish that I had checked out the film last year, but I, I'm glad that it has come back to our attention now. So I hope yeah. that this sparked your interest. Uh, Harriet is on HBO, and I, it should be going to everywhere pretty soon. Please, yeah, please check out the links in the description. Check out the show notes for all of the resources. Check out the cover art so you can see the picture that yes. was just found recently of a young Harriet Tubman. And we will catch you next week. Thank you.